Welcome to the Creative Community Podcast, where we discuss the intersection between the arts and Israel. I am Ari Engel, the director of Creative Community for Peace, and today's guest on the pod are innovators in dance music, one of Israel's biggest selling acts, who have reworked songs by The Doors and Foo Fighters, who have collaborated with artists like Perry Farrell and performed in festivals and clubs all over the world, from EDC to Coachella and Burning Man. We are excited to welcome Dubdev of the legendary Infected Mushroom to the Creative Community Podcast today. How are you holding up? I'm pretty, pretty okay. You know, it's uh, weird times for everyone, especially for me, because I was in the road for the last 25 years. So uh, being at home is a new phenomenon for me, but I'm doing well. And you're located in L.A. or Israel right now? I'm located in L.A. for the last 15 years. Oh, nice. So yeah. it's, you got a little bit more space out here if you're going to be oh. locked away. Yeah, more space, and uh, still, I'm I'm always looking at Israel because they're going to go a little bit out of lockdown in the next week, so it's a glimpse to the future. Yeah, be a little bit jealous. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to spend too much time on COVID nineteen, but I want to talk a little bit about it since the the whole world yeah. is living in this crazy time. Yeah. Tours are canceled, obviously. Streaming is down. Some artists have delayed their albums. Others have put them out. You guys decided to put out an album, the fantastic more than just a name, last month. Yep. Why did you guys decide to release it and not hold it? Well, first of all, there was the debate of if to hold it or not, but it was already in all the system. It was already in Apple Music, already embedded in Spotify, and we decided to go with it. Uh, we knew it will uh, take a little bit of a hit, but actually it didn't. So it's it's kind of it kind of it's it's in weird times. Uh, the album was already done and pushed. Uh, Monster Cat, which is a great label, really helped pushing it and. Uh, I'm happy with the result, but, but, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird world at the moment, and we all took a hit. Yeah, it's interesting, because artists seem to be debating with what to do exactly with that. I mean, artists have been working for a year to get this album ready, and then what do it they do? Put big, everything on hold. It was a big decision, either to hold it or put it out. Now, and for me, in my opinion, in dance music, I like to put fresh music out there. Uh, and I don't, if I would have delayed, I would wait, what, one year and then put an old album out. Yeah. I didn't see the point of that. Uh, so we just went ahead and I'm, I'm happy with the result. And with touring plans canceled for the moment, are you guys working on new music or are you just spending time with family? I'm almost 80% done on, an, on a new album. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's it. crazy. Not only we're working all the time in the studio because we're not getting out, uh, all the artists around the world are calling me. Hey, Duvdev, you remember that collab? Let's do it. Let's do that. So I got so much music worked on on this moment that I'd never had. Like, never. Yeah. It's forced it's you to sit in the life. studio. You, you have yeah. nowhere to go. It's forced you to be I have there. nowhere to go. I have no excuses. I have nothing. Uh, some musicians are not creative at the, at the moment, which I get, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I got to say, for us, uh, it's been... We kind of we kind of enjoy being at the studio at the moment because it's actually gave us some time. So super working hard on new music, and we're we're like 70 percent done on a new album. <laughs> I love it. And as eras, do you guys get together, or you're just doing it all remotely? No, we're doing all remotely. We're working with a with a computer uh, program called Listen To, and it's actually a plugin that goes on our Cubist. I control the studio from my house directly there with no latency and stuff. It's amazing. Wow. So I'm literally there, yeah. but not there. That's amazing. Yeah. And okay, so with Vegas residencies canceled, EDC, Coachella, with all the artists off the road, when this thing opens up, it's not like 
every artist can hit the road at the same time, right? It's going to be a local mayhem to secure the venues and then capacities. And then we we'll see who sell tickets because it's a new world. Come on. Even for the touring business, as we know it, it's going to change massively. How it will come back, we don't know yet in which capacities. And then even with the big capacities, who will want to risk it or not? Which artists will book that venue or not? So I think this is a restart to the whole music industry completely. Uh, and we will, we will have to see in the next two years how to adjust for it. Of course, there's going to be a demand and hunger for people to go out and party. But how? You know, so it's, it's a new world. Hopefully, it, it, I know it will start gradually, slowly. You won't come to an EDC straight up. You will come to a small insomnia party, then a bigger, then another bigger. Then comes the festival. Totally. Hopefully, immune, immune system, uh, immune, uh, immunization will come as fast as we can. And then we can go back. But then even with that, it will take time. Yeah, because once again, for Avalon or whatever the venue is, not everybody can book it. It's going to be a, a literally, if, if until now it was hard to book venues in the United States with hold, going to fifth and sixth hold, yeah. even with a year in advance. I don't want to talk about the big, <laughs> the big what's going to be As happening. Say, the balagan that's about to happen. The big balagan, yeah. In terms of you guys specifically, I don't know if you've had these conversations yet. You guys do your live show, which makes you guys really special, where you play everything live. But then you also do DJ sets. That you had conversations of let's book more DJ stuff because it's easier and cheaper, or well, nothing. Well, first yet. of all, first of all, this has been happening in the last two years. Sometimes it's not even because of it's cheaper and easier. It's a demand by promoters themselves that have like a huge stage and they don't want a live act on it. So yeah. it, became, it became a demand for a DJ set. And for us, it's also fun because we get to play stuff that we usually don't do in the live acts. But where Infected Mushroom is and always were is the live act. We love it, you know? So we try to mix as much as we can with the live act. And as you said, it keeps us unique because it's different from other DJs. We, we love doing it. And, and when the booking comes, if it's alive, we always take the live. Yeah, and talking about just because we're talking about the live stuff, you grew up, I read, classically trained piano, right? Right, But, right. but you were into rock and roll and you weren't into dance music. Straight you were into rock music, right? Straight up rock and roll. My brothers used to listen to Pink Floyd. Uh, you know, I grew, I grew up in Israel listening to all these genres. Then came uh, the first electronic experience for me was these bands like New Order, Depeche Mode, which were more new wave at the beginning. And then from that, I kind of jumped to Acid House, Acid Trance in, in the late uh, 80s, beginning of the 90s, and technically started listening to trance music But as a keyboarder. But my whole beginning is rock and punk music. Yeah. And then I mean, and, and you went to Goa when you were younger? And is that what changed went it all? Went to Goa straight after the army like any good Israeli, you yeah. know. And uh, I, was already, I was already a raver for like five or six years. So came to go, it was heaven for me in 95 and actually stayed living there for two years. So I did 95, 96 in Go and the end of 96, in the middle, I came back to Israel, met Eris, started making new tracks, then came back to Goa to DJ them, then came back and literally this was the beginning of Infected Mushroom. I mean, Goa seems to have that sort of uh, impact on, on people. You go there, A, you don't want to leave and B, it transforms you in some way. In, India is a magical place, especially Goa. And in those times, it was the mecca of trance music. 
So for me, it was like heaven and I fell in love. Now that I go back to Goa, it's a different thing. I play huge raves and stuff like that. Or I go to a small vacation, revisiting my old house and stuff like that. But uh, I see it in a different way today. Back then, I was a backpacker after the Army of Israel. You think you're invincible. And I was kind of invincible at that time. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and, and it, it really impacted uh, infected mushroom in the beginning. I mean, it's also different times. It was almost like simpler than not as, com- not, it was still not fully commercialized, but m- more commercialized. And well, 90- not, I had no phone. I always explained yeah. to my kids, they go like, when did you have your first cell phone? I go like, when I was 24. They go like, what? Your parents didn't get you a phone until 24. I was like, no, there wasn't a cell phone. So <laughs> exactly. it was a different world, you know? And um, yeah, it's uh, different times, less commercial and, and much more of an underground vibe to it then. Totally. I remember I lived in Israel for a year in 96 and yeah. it was right around the time of Allenby 58, which oh, yeah. was like oh, the, yeah. all of a sudden, like the Israeli club that put Israel on the map in the dance world considered like the place to be. I think Global Underground, uh, their first installment with uh, Tony DeVitt was at Allenby 58. Did you guys ever perform there? And was that influential? Well, we didn't. Pre- I used to go to Allenby 58. Yeah. I didn't perform there because they didn't host trance events. It was more of a house kind of thing, more, uh, more of the other stuff. Trance was not popular in those events back then in Israel. It was more of an underground scene, very underground at that time. But I used to go there as a raver. So, yeah, I used to hang out there for sure. I, I DJed there horribly and it was yeah. like it was by the like way hip-hop. by the way by the way we all dj horribly in those times oh man it was it was so bad i was studying abroad and i did a dj set there i don't know why they let me play but you know american kids were dancing but everybody else probably thought it was absolutely horrible <laughs> <laughs> um but that so that's my allenby 58 story um and just talk about um you know around that time there was groups like prodigy as you're saying those kind of like that combination and then you guys do this Psytrance. Can you just tell people, some of the listeners don't really understand what that is. I always tell people Psytrance, first of all, you have to think about it as the heavy metal of trance. It's like trance, but more hardcore. And then you add the psychedelic elements to it. Some see it as psychedelic sounds, and there was a psychedelic movement when it started, like any other kind of music, when the Doors did rock, and when other people did other stuff, it starts with the psychedelic movement. But what he, why it's called psychedelic trance is basically it's heavier trance with a lot of psychedelic sound influence. And that's, that's what psychedelic trance is. And it started basically on nature and ground parties, not in clubs. That was the main difference. It started out as outdoor, then went into clubs. Interesting. It was never a club music to begin with. Uh, so that's the movement. And, uh, we joined that movement very hardly in 96, Infected Mushroom, with our first album, The Gathering, which nobody wanted to sign in Israel because they didn't understand what is this weird music. And uh, then came a label called BNE and signed us, and uh, it became a straight hit in Europe. I, I started touring, which I didn't know what touring meant. Yeah. I just went to houses of promoters around Europe and played parties. Straight and up. How, how did that happen? So when did you meet Ron Rivlin, who is our mutual friend and obviously related to, to President Ruby Rivlin? I've been working with Ron for years, uh, but that was not, not in the beginning. He, Ron came up like after, it was 2003, I think, which was like a few years afterwards. He met us 
in Israel through the owner of BNE, the label, was his cousin as well. So yeah. he met us through him, and he was managing different acts in, in the United States, like Little Louis Vega and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, he said, you know what, why give me, please give me a chance. And we did, and uh, we've been friends and co-workers since. And uh, he took us to the next level in Mexico, United States, and the whole area. And literally was our sponsor to come here to live. He said, you know what, come to L.A. And we said, okay, let's do it. Yeah, so. I love it because after that you did I'm the Supervisor, Vicious Delicious, then yeah. obviously the massive legend of the black shawarma. A, it pushed the psychedelic trance into the mainstream. And yeah. then also, I, you know, we hate talking about lists, but the DJ Magazine, you guys flew into the top 10, top 15. Yeah. I mean, you know, that must have been pretty cool being ranked above guys like Carl Cox, John Digweed, Sasha. It was not not only cool it was insane we we didn't believe uh how high we got on those days uh the the supporters in the u.s and the rest of the world was so out there and pushed infected mushroom really high into those rankings at the time and, and you know the first time i think i saw you guys live and and that, i think this is what also makes you guys so amazing is your live show which is so different than especially many djs back then it wasn't about the visuals as much as it was just whatever the club had the lights and you guys i remember ron invited me to the avalon and you were i don't know if it was the debuting it but you had the two little spheres, the huge, spheres. The spheres. yeah and honestly and i saw you then and i think coachella maybe a year or two later and yeah. honestly i was blown away i doing it live each of you and then the visual aspect to it and even your guys artwork like talk a little bit about like the visual side so me, me and Ares, we're very particular, as you mentioned, about uh, the art and the visual, but it doesn't come from us. We, we deliver the music and then we choose artists to portray that album. Uh, it started since the beginning, since the gathering. The gathering was painted by a painter in Israel. He oh, wow. painted it on a full painting uh, with oil and everything and stuff. And I remember the day we came to his apartment, it was a full wall painting to see it. And my manager at the time, he said, what is this shit? Now, me and Erez, we were blown away from it. And I go like, what are you talking about? It's amazing, you know? So we were always into the weird and very artistic uh, stuff. And we choose the artist each time for, we, we change an artist each album. Uh, besides like few albums that, you know, the supervisor and Vicious Delicious was done by the same artist, which was David Ho. So we didn't change in that time. But each album of Infected Mushroom is done by a different artist. The latest one, more than just a name, is done by a new artist. It's amazing. And uh, Monsica has this collective of artists that we like. And it's basically going back and forth. I throw an idea, especially when it's a crazy idea, like Head of NASA and the two Amish boys. How do you explain uh, an artist what to go there? So you kind of need to direct him to the idea of the craziness of the name especially the legend of the black shawarma. If he's yeah. not Israeli, he doesn't know what, what the hell are you talking about? So, uh, but we're really into the art and each time we, we choose an artist and we go back and forth. it's like creating basically an album or a track to create a painting for an album. And, and yeah, we take it very seriously. It's impressive. And also, also the live aspect, as you mentioned before, the spheres, as you talked about a little bit, it was done by Heather Shaw, which builds all the stages for Coachella and by Vida Motors. She's amazing. And then we take uh, another graphic design by 
uh, Velo and his crew. So there was a lot of people working on that live show visually aspect. Besides me and Eris giving one and a half year to produce that show. So it was, it was pretty difficult. And what did you guys decide to do it? You just decided we need to up just up the live show and let's do something. Is, yeah, well, yeah, we, we saw, we saw Amon Tobin and we were blown away. Amon Tobin, another person that ahead of his time with that stuff. Correct. We were blown away. And, and Eric said, you know what? I want to do a live show, but stronger. And it's like Amon Tobin on steroids. And yeah, he said, right. okay, let's find out who made it. So the crew that I mentioned before, Vida Meris built it, and, and, and Velo did the graphics. They all live in LA next to us. We didn't know that to begin with. And we did the meeting, all of us, and said, you know what? We want to do a show crazier than Amon Tobin and crazier than Dead Mouse at the time who had the cube. So I go like, let's leave cubes aside, and we don't, cannot do a pyramid because Daft Punk made it. Let's yeah. do spheres. And she goes like, okay, I will build the most craziest fears. And we went into this production without knowing how much it will cost. And it cost a lot without knowing how to do it around the country and all this stuff. That tour was the two and a half years of the hardest tour I've ever done. And the reason is I didn't know what I was going into. Yeah. But it was the most fun tour I, I, I did. So it was fun. Yeah. It's a whole different world. Once again, DJs obviously used to just travel with their records now with their laptop. And then you guys come in here with the whole rig and a whole setup. You guys almost split two worlds of live band world and then the DJ world. So has that with promoters ever been difficult where they're like, where do you guys fit a little bit? Very difficult, but also an, an, an advantage because the promoters who knows us, they could have booked a live show and then half a year later take us as DJs because it's a different thing. So, and some promoters said, we don't know where to put you, where to fit you. Are you on the live stage? Are you on the DJ stage? So yeah, but uh, over the years, people learned that we are very flexible and they can fit us in so many stages. So uh, it's, it's definitely been to our advantage. I love it. And then on collaborations, I was just re-going yeah. through your catalog. Yeah. You have the most eclectic group of artists that you've collaborated with. Perry Farrell, obviously rock legend, Swollen Members, underground hip-hop group, Kinky, legendary Latin group, Awa, Yemenite Trio, Sasha Gray. How do you guys decide on your collaborations? And is that something that you guys seek out or someone comes to you usually? Well, it can be vice versa. Uh, Sasha is a neighbor for us in Studio City. She lives next to us. So this, this came as a neighborhood talk and it was yeah. funny and we know her. She's a great girl and uh, she's a friend of uh, Ares very well and she lives next to us. Um, you know, uh, Swollen members, they, I've sent them artillery to a manager. They recorded it. I never met Swollen members in my life. Yeah. And when I came to tour with them in Canada, when Vicious Delicious came out, no club or concert promoter wanted them in the venue because they were like a mess of a hip hop band, you yeah, know? Yeah. So they said, we, we, we will have infected mushroom, but not swollen members. So I said, okay. As for like, I did, you know, Perry Farrell, he came to the studio. I was a big fan of Jane's Addiction. He came to the studio with a classical mushroom album on vinyl for us to sign. I was blown away. Then I met Jonathan Davis from Corn, also a fan of Infected Mushroom, and I grew up on Corn and then made stuff with him. You know, collaborations, sometimes they happen. Sometimes we seek them out. With Kinky, we did seek somebody to sing that 
song, Becoming Insane, who became the biggest song of Infected Mushroom. And when he came, he didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect. The song was ready without his singing. And then he came and added that Spanish element. And then it blew us up in South America, Middle America, Mexico, and all that. You know, we don't. We, we are eclectic about the collaborations, and we are. We and we do think of what to do, but most of them just happen. Yeah, and talking yeah. about Israel a little bit, what, yeah. what do you think it's about? Because Israel, the dance scene, you know, it's it's on the map. Like it, the dance oh, scene yeah. in Israel oh, yeah. is is right. huge and epic. Every DJ from the biggest to the underground guys go there. What do you think yeah. it is about Israel? Well, first of all, Israel was always big in electronic music and trance and stuff. It was an escape uh, to go party outside or clubbing because to live in Israel is a stressful country. Uh, even though us Israelis, we're used to it, it's, uh, but it, the stress is out there, you know? So we like to break the stress. Break the stress, trance suits that perfectly. Yeah. And DJs, when they come to that environment from outside, like Tiesto or whatever, you know, they see the vibe of the crowd, you know, and it was always there and it will always be there. And Israelis, they like to party. It's, it's, it's just to forget about their week, even if they're used to it or not. So that's why it was very strong. And because it became so popular very early, every kid, instead of taking a guitar, wanted to be the next infected mushroom or the next asterisk or the next Kazi or the next... So a lot of generation grew up on making music on a computer instead of learning to do, uh, I don't know, piano. So that's why there's so many good producers coming out of Israel. Yeah. And even I'm talking about the boycott movement a little bit. Acts like Bedouin, who yeah. are composed of two Arab members or Deep Dish, yeah. Muslim Iranian members, they come yeah. there, no problem. And crowds love them. They love going to play there. Yeah. I know Deep Dish very well. Uh, they were the first pioneers to go to Israel. And because of that, he cannot go to Iran today. Really? Yeah. And uh, they always loved Israel. The Israelis loved them back. I was invited to many Arabic countries that I cannot go to. Like, you know, in Iran, Infected Mushroom have so many fans. They come watch us either in Turkey or in Delhi. Yeah. Thousands. But politically wise, I cannot go there, you know? Uh, and the same for another Arabic artist that cannot go there. Some artists boycott Israel from different reasons, political reason. For me, I don't see this as a... I'm, I'm not getting into that, but I see it as a dumb move because you cannot boycott a place you don't understand about, you know? Yeah. Even me, yeah. I cannot boycott Israel because I'm, well, I'm Israeli, but I don't live there. I don't understand the real politics that goes there. What are you boycotting Israel for? Stuff you hear on the news? That's, that's for me such an uneducated move. So I don't boycott places. I go everywhere that I can go safely to play my music. Yeah, and I think that's what we try to tell artists to do because we also sometimes work with artists that face boycott pressure and we tell them, go see for yourself. And that's the only way you're going to understand what's going there. Because it's interesting, you go to dance uh, events there and it's people from all backgrounds. It's Christians, Muslims, Jews, Arabs. It's probably the specifically dance music that brings everybody together more than any other genre. There. And that's why I like dance music. The biggest names in dance music always go to Israel and always went to Israel. If it's Tiesto, Armin, get whoever, they go once or twice a year to Israel, always. It, it's been for years. Uh, uh, so that's why I like the dance movement. There's not a lot of boycotting Israel. They shouldn't be. And, and again, it's a very, uh, a, it's a best place to party, of course. Uh, 
And I've been an advocate for going to, I convinced Dead Mouse to go to Israel and he did. And he actually shouted out on the show, thank you, Duvda, for convincing me. He did came a bit late. He should have went 10 years ago, but yeah. that's a different story. But he did, you know, I'm an advocate to convince so many artists to go there. Uh, Israel is a beautiful place. It's a safe place. And there is no reason for you not to go there. Is there, when Dead Mouse comes to you, is there any reason? Is it, he just heard negative things or is he just? No, no, he just didn't have the, the it, it wasn't on the map for him, you know. He's a very big artist. He was a, but I go like, listen, Joe, it's, and he knows us very well. I did the coffee rounds. He, he loves infected mushrooms. I said, listen, Joe, this is my home country. I come to Toronto all the time over here. I love your place. I love Toronto. Great crowd over here. You should check Tel Aviv out. It's a different ballgame. And he did, you know, and, and, and he had the best time. So uh, people think Tel Aviv, you know, is a small place in the Middle East. Well, Tel Aviv, as you know it, is one of the best cities around the world. If you haven't been, you just you just don't know. Uh, I see it as in my top three cities in the world. So uh, you you need to go there. That's it. Yeah, it, well, it's what's amazing about it. Like Tel Aviv is a Mediterranean beach city that could be in the south of France or anywhere else. And then you go back three thousand years and you go to Jerusalem and you can exactly, go to exactly, exactly. And 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 again, Israel is uh, is a political place. I wouldn't say no, but listen. The whole world at the moment is a political place. Come on, you know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't go this year for the first time to Crimea, uh, the Russian island, because, and this is the first time I canceled the show, because there's a lot of political situation behind it between the Russians and the Ukraine. And because I play so much in Russia and so much in the Ukraine, that island in particular, I don't go to. I don't, I don't boycott it. I just don't go to, to avoid offending one side or the other side. So I do go to both places. I go to Kiev, I go to Russia, I go to that island, I didn't go because I don't, I'm, A, I don't understand the politics behind it. And there's a lot of politics behind it. Yeah. And I just didn't go. That's the only reason. But I don't boycott places. I love it. All right. So we like to end the podcast where I just... I say five different things and you just come whatever's at the top of your head. It could be a word. It could be a couple sentences. Shoot. All right. Favorite venue or event to play at? Red Rocks. Love it. Amazing venue. You have a cool nickname. If uh, Eras had a nickname, what would you give him? Ooh, Eisenstein. <laughs> Eisenstein. Uh, most influential artist in your guy's career? Pongo, mm, Simon Pospert. Uh, the 90s dance scene versus today? Oh, 90s, all the way, including the rock and the hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite album besides your, any, anyone besides your own? Ooh, so again, I will go to The Lone Deranger by Hallucinogen. is my most influential album. All right, now here's the big question. Now that you've tried Vegemite, will you try Marmite and will you post a video of that? I will, but it was, listen, Vegemite was, was hard, but I'm up to any challenge. <laughs> I, I grew up, I was born in South Africa, so I grew up on Marmite. It's, yeah, my, I used to torture my friends. Having okay, next, next challenge is accepted. <laughs> I love it. Anyhow, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, once again, please leave a review and leave a rating. Uh, Duvdev, thank you so much for joining us. Our pleasure. Thank you.